0: You're listening to the Freelance Friday podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. Whether you're ready to launch the side hustle you've been dreaming about, working to double your freelance income and go full time, or just seeking inspiration from some of the smart, innovative folks I know, you're in the right place. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James, or the Latasha James on Instagram and Twitter if you want to chat with me over there. And today I'm talking about what I did when I first went freelance. Like I'm talking first, first day, first week, first month, the things that I focused on when I you know, first decided that I was going to be a full-time freelancer. Now I did do an episode last season, I believe it was, all about what I did before I quit my job. So I definitely recommend listening to that one either before or after this episode. This is kind of like a part two to that. But you know, when I first decided that I was going to quit my job, I was like, what is my week gonna look like? You know, because working on a day job, I had my little outlook calendar always booked up. You know, I knew what the next few weeks were gonna look like, what meetings I was gonna be participating in. And it was really strange when I got to the end and I, you know, got to the end of my month or two notice. I gave like a really long time notice and I had nothing there. It was like, what do I do? So this is your guide, okay? In general, this is like, if you don't listen to the rest of this episode, at least hear this part focus on revenue generating activities first. At least that's what I did. You know, I did have some clients before I went full-time freelance. I had a couple, they weren't anything like massive. You know, I wasn't doing these massive contracts or anything like that. And I hadn't been working with the contracts I had for very long, but I did have a couple of of projects to work on. So whenever I could, or, or first, like I said, not whenever I could, but just first and foremost, I would always make sure that I was taking care of those clients because you know, they were all that I had really. So I wanted to make sure that they were satisfied, that they were happy, obviously to retain them, but also even if I didn't retain them so that I would get a good testimonial and a good review from them. So focus on that first. But let's say that I had no clients at all. There are other things that you can do as well that are still considered revenue generating activities. And what revenue generating activities means is exactly how it sounds, you know, things that make you money, (laughs) focus on that first. So you can use that time to look on job boards, Upwork, you know, things like that. For me, since I have YouTube, I would also consider YouTube a revenue generating activity, even though it's a very small revenue stream, it is a revenue stream of mine. So I wouldn't, Uh, you know, feel too guilty if I posted a YouTube video. Now obviously I had to temper that as well because I didn't want to be like, okay, well I'm going to post videos, just that's all I'm going to do because it has a pretty low payoff and it also isn't immediate. You can also just do small gigs here and there, you know, even if it's selling one-off consulting calls like strategy calls or something you can do things like that so i really worked on my existing contracts looked on upwork and on you know linkedin and things like that and posted youtube those were like my revenue generating activities anything that made me money and i'd also try to like i don't do this so much anymore and you guys know if you've been listening to the podcast for a while that i don't really do hourly work a ton but i would try to equate my projects with an amount Uh, you know, if I spent four hours working on an Upwork project, I would sit down at the end of the day and say, okay, I made $400 today, three hundred, like whatever it was based on, you know, the contract amount, the hourly rate, whatever it was. So I think that's really important because, you know, I don't know, I feel like we're in this time where it's really trendy uh, in the entrepreneurial community to be like, stop trading time for money. And like, I totally agree with that. My second biggest revenue stream is a passive revenue stream. So I totally agree with that. But at the same time, like time still is money. And especially when you're starting out as a freelancer, time is money. So you don't want to be spending, like I said, you know, 40 hours a week on YouTube when you're making 5 cents from YouTube. So, That's that. Then, you know, if you don't have any existing revenue generating opportunities, you're definitely going to need to do this next thing, which is lead generation. So what I did on really like, I think it was like week two, I decided to start hosting webinars monthly, I believe it was. I did monthly webinars, both on this brand so latashajames.com for coaching clients and then on jamesandpark.com for service-based clients so i would do two webinars a month pretty easy i just used an unlisted youtube link i set up a quick landing page in squarespace and i would create these little mini trainings you know i did like lunch and learn style trainings hour long about kind of taking a deep dive into a different topic. So for my coaching clients, it was often like how to pitch yourself to brands or how to, you know, like something that helped with their business. And then for uh, service-based clients, it was video marketing strategy or why you need content or something of that nature. I'd host these and the great thing about hosting webinars is that you get their email addresses. So people would sign up, and i would get their email addresses and then i could add them into my funnel and it was this whole thing for the service-based side of things my james and park leads i would actually contact them directly and say hey do you want to hop on a discovery call so those were actually very success they were so successful that i stopped doing them because i got booked out so i do actually really want to start doing something like that again to give value to the community and maybe lead them down my courses or something because I just, I got too overwhelmed with actually working with people. So I didn't end up doing it. So definitely recommend doing something like that. As far as driving traffic to those webinars, I just use my existing audience. I did run a couple of LinkedIn ads for my agency. The great thing about LinkedIn ads is that you can target super, super closely for businesses, cause it's a business platform. So I would target like CEOs, founders, VPs of marketing, CMOs, basically decision makers, people who had some influence over the marketing budget. And that's why I would target. And I did get a few like um, signups from ads, but a big portion of my signups just came organically from my existing LinkedIn network. I also applied on Upwork. Like I said, I know everybody has like different feelings about Upwork. And I mean, there's others too. There's Guru, there's um, Cloud Peeps, is one that I am on. I've gotten like some good gigs from Cloud Peeps actually. So I'd apply for gigs on places like that. You can also look on LinkedIn, look on Indeed. Uh, you know, any typical job board and see if there are remote or freelance opportunities as well. So in the beginning, when I had like my one or two small, small clients, I would make sure I'd basically force myself to spend at least an hour or so a day on lead generation. So whether that was looking on Upwork, looking on LinkedIn, um, just like searching, you know, freelancing sites like um, Angel List and things like that and kind of working on sourcing leads. I would spend at least an hour a day. It was usually in the beginning of the day too. And there's science to like when you should reach out and when you should apply for jobs and stuff. So Google that because I don't know the exact time. I want to say that if you're going to send a cold email, it's like Tuesday after lunch, but it may want to fact check me there, but I didn't get that specific. I just applied when I wanted to. And usually it was in the mornings just to kind of get it out of the way and you know, I don't know, I just, that's what worked for me. I also sought out speaking gigs. So I was already a part of some kind of networking groups in the area, which I definitely recommend. Again, definitely check out that episode about what you should do before you quit your job. But I do think that's one thing you might want to consider is, you know, building up a network before you quit so that you're not on day one, like all by yourself. You have no leads, you have no idea what to do. Uh, So I was a part of a couple of groups already. So I kind of put myself forth and said, hey, like I have more time now, would love to do some talks or whatever. So I I presented at a couple of things within like the first three months of me quitting my day job. I was able to do some presentations, which ended up resulting in, yeah, I definitely would say some work. I got a a little bit of work from a couple of those opportunities and also portfolio stuff. (laughs) Like, you know, you gotta be thinking now you're in a different mindset when you're a full-time freelance. So obviously the the dream situation is that everything you do is going to lead into a client or some kind of a paycheck. But if not, I would always be like, okay, well, these are cool photos that I can add to LinkedIn or that I can add to my my portfolio or this person who invited me to speak at her event. Maybe she'll write me like a testimonial or uh, be a referral partner for me or something like that. So I know it sounds silly, like, oh, it's a cool photo op, but like You gotta think that way. Put it on your website, put it on your resume as a place that you spoke, like these are all good things. And last thing about that is I do this all the time. I repurpose my talks that I give, if I'm allowed to. Sometimes they have like, you're not allowed to do that, but if I'm allowed to, I'll repurpose them into a little course or a webinar. So my free course, it's called DIY Your Social Media Strategy. That came out of a speaking gig that I did a few years ago now and then When I quit my job, I did a video marketing kind of presentation at a local group. That turned into a webinar. I basically just changed a couple of things and did a webinar and then was able to acquire some clients that way. You can also make cold introductions. I kind of spoke about this already when I was talking about Upwork and like times of day to reach out to people, but I'm just like, I don't really do a lot of cold emailing, cold pitching. So I put cold introductions because that is something that I do I think we overthink this. I think we overthink it. What would you do if you went to an event and there was somebody that you wanted to work with? What would you do, you know, in that situation? You would walk up to them and you'd say, hey, how's it going? My name's Latasha, I I love your company. Great to meet you, right? Like, it doesn't need to be this like, oh my gosh, here's a link to my Calendly and like here's this discount, like here's this, like don't actually, definitely don't do that. Please don't do that. But you know, just find people who you like and like, give them a little compliment. I mean, that's honestly all that it has to be. So I would do a lot of research into I I don't do a lot of local clients, but I was look I was kind of open to that when I first left my day job, so I would look into like local business websites, news, you know, write-ups and stuff like that to see kind of what businesses were making some money, doing some cool things. And I would try to find their founders either on LinkedIn or Twitter. Maybe if I was inspired by them, if they did something I really liked, I would tag them in an Instagram story, tag them in a tweet, tag tag them on LinkedIn in an appropriate way, of course, like not hire me, but in a, Oh, this is an awesome company. This is an awesome quote by this founder, that kind of thing. So I would definitely do that as well. Like I said, cold introductions, not cold sales. And I think that's something we kind of need to reframe in our mind for a lot of us, especially those of us who maybe struggle with sales. I don't so much anymore. I found out I'm actually really good at sales, but when I first started, I was terrified of selling. And I think that's why, because I was thinking about it like, you know, this weird thing. Really, I was just introducing myself to these companies. So that's lead generation. Hey freelancer, hate to interrupt the show, but just wanted to make sure you knew about the Freelance Friday Club. It's my exclusive membership community and features monthly mastermind calls an accountability group and access to over a dozen masterclasses, covering everything from sales funnels to freelance job board success. Best thing about it. The first month is on me. Visit freelance Friday club to get started. Back to the episode. Now the next thing that I really thought hard about was financials. So, Well, this isn't even on my list here, but let's talk about it. I definitely made a little note, a note in my phone. Yep, financial goals. Okay, so I have by age 30, which is coming up here quick. um, Okay, made that. Um, 12-month goal, six-month goal, three-month goal. And basically for me, since we're talking about the first day, first week, first month, my three-month, I guess that's the only thing I made, I kind of like was preparing myself in my head for potentially being under in month one, which is okay. Meaning I, I you know, losing a little bit of money potentially that wasn't the goal necessarily, but I'd want to be realistic. And that's a big part of your exit plan is make sure you have enough money to where you're not going to stress out. If you don't, you know, if you make $500 in your first month, you can't stress out about that, you know, or I mean, you, you can, but you don't want to, it's not a good place to be in. So I wasn't too stressed about making, you know, $10,000 or whatever on month one. So my first goal was a three month goal. And that was, I feel like I set the bar a little bit low because I, think that was less than I was making at my day job, but it was about one month of expenses. Like it was basically breaking even within three months, which I think is fair. And I think I always said that in the back of my head, like, okay, if I'm not, you know, making my expenses, l- surviving, I'm on my own, like no help from, you know, my partner, my parents, nothing like that, which I don't get anyway, but just to clarify, then I need to start looking for a job at that three month point or, pivoting my strategy or doing something else. So that's what I did. And then my six month goal was like, uh, about what I made at my day job. And then a year was about double what I made at my day job. So I set these different milestones for myself. Luckily I made those milestones. Like I made the the top milestone, I think like three or four months in. So it does definitely keep you on track. And I think it keeps you on track to make sure that you are earning something because they I, I know a lot of people either they set the goal way too like they're like I want to make, you know, like I said, you know, $20,000 in month one which just isn't very realistic unless you already have like a good pipeline built or they'll do the thing where they don't set any goals and then next thing you know it's a year later and they're not making any money and they have no plan B. You know, they haven't been looking for jobs maybe. They haven't been keeping their options open for other things and you know, I don't want that to happen to you guys. So set some goals. Then If you haven't yet, now I had these already from when I was side hustling, but start a business bank account, a business credit card, if you trust yourself with it. I had one. Again, I was already in business for six years at that point, off and on. It was definitely different than being a full-time freelancer, but so, you know, I was a little bit more comfortable with having a business credit card, but if you're not good with credit cards, don't get a business credit card. Um, one of the big reasons that I chose to get a business credit card is for travel. I knew that I was gonna have some business travel coming up that year. I prefer to book travel on credit cards for a lot of reasons. Um, but definitely get a business bank account because then you can start separating your finances correctly. It's going to make tax time a lot less stressful. You can just buy your business expenses with your business debit or credit card, and it just makes things a lot easier and more legit. And in order to get a business bank account, you're going to need some type of a business entity for yourself as well. So whether that is an LLC, an S-corp, whatever, you need to talk to um, you know a lawyer or somebody who knows that stuff specifically. I personally started an LLC, but that's not you know, legal or financial advice. You gotta do the situation that's right for you. But I, again, had my LLC already when I was in my day job. And then you also want to get financial systems in order, double check all the transactions, make sure that I'm marking the ones that are for business and for personal. So make sure to get acquainted with that so tax time is not a surprise. And with that, start a tax account or some type of a, you know, a system for saving for your taxes. Again, this is not tax legal financial advice. I'm not any of those things, but I would always save like 30 to 40% of every invoice. And when I say that a lot of people think that sounds high, but I live in a place where I have to pay city taxes as well, which is like so annoying. And I ended up always having to pay a lot. And worst case scenario, you're going to oversave and then you're going to get to treat yourself a little bit when you file your taxes because you will have saved too much. So it's better to save too much than too little. So start a system for that. Operations. Let's talk about that. So operations, I started to document my processes again. I was kind of side hustling, not kind of. I was definitely side hustling before I went full time. So I kind of started doing this, but honestly, not really. Like it wasn't until I was a full-time business owner that I realized how important processes are. Um, because before, it was like it doesn't really matter if like it's perfect because I don't really technically need this this to work. You know, I don't need to scale this business. It's fine. It's just a side hustle. But when you realize like how much time you spend on Crafting proposals or you know setting up clients accounts. You're like, oh my gosh I need this to be turnkey so I can scale it so I can have five of these done in the amount of time It takes me to do one my processes are honestly nothing fancy just a simple document that has screenshots and links I really like loom as well if I'm kind of in a hurry and I just want to record a screen share of how I'm doing something The other reason that documenting processes is so, so important is not just for you, but also if you're gonna hire. And I know what you're thinking, you might be like, I'm not gonna hire. I'm like, I I, I haven't even made my first little goal yet, you know, but things happen quick. Like if things go well, things start to happen really quick. And next thing you know, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I have 10 clients. There's no way I can service all these people. And you either have to say no to those clients or you have to hire somebody. So if you do have to hire somebody or you know, get to hire somebody. It's a good thing. Uh, you want to be prepared for that. You don't want to be like, Oh my gosh, now I have to write out all these trainings because that's what trips people up a lot is they don't prepare for it. And then they end up being a bad boss because they don't have like the resources to provide their new hire. So document your processes. And then also I created a lot of onboarding materials. So again, I was like reinventing the wheel every single time when I was side hustling I was like making up client onboarding documents and processes and trainings and like every every client had a different process sometimes I'd meet with them first sometimes I'd go to their office sometimes I'd have a zoom sometimes I'd do this that I standardized that so this is what everybody gets now of course you know, if something needs to be adjusted, that's fine. But I had a standard process and documents that kind of showed here are my working hours, here's how you contact me, here's how you pay your invoice, all that stuff. um, I created standard onboarding materials. And the last thing is a little bit boring. I talked about this a little bit in the what to do before you quit your job podcast, but I changed my habits in that first month a lot. I did not, I don't think I ate out once. I think the only time I did, I, I did let my partner treat me. That is like the one bit of help that I would accept is free meals. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't spend any money on eating out. I, I literally like my first month freelancing full time, I was eating rice and beans. And when I wanted to get fancy, I would eat, um, like vegetables, like I would get like bell peppers and saute them with onions and throw them in my rice and beets. It's actually like a really good meal, but I mean, eating it every day for a month was a little bit overboard, but that was super cheap. I mean, rice is like $2 or something. Don't, you know, starve yourself, like make make sure that your health is in check because that's important too. You don't wanna burn out, you don't wanna crash, you don't want to not be healthy. Um, but do what you can to eliminate, you know, to really trim costs when you can. I even consolidated my vehicles, so I had two cars. I got rid of one, um, Norris and I started sharing my car And it just helped save expenses, you know, monthly expenses that I had to pay. So whatever you can do now, like I said, you don't want to like make yourself miserable, you want to eat food, you want to have enjoyment, you know, I did still go out with friends, I don't drink, for those of you who don't know, so it's not like I was going out to the bar, but I would go out and get a coffee with a friend or go, you know, I don't know, that's pretty much all I do for fun is go get coffee, but I would do things still because you don't wanna be miserable and be like, why am I doing this? You want it to still be enjoyable. And if you hate it, if you're miserable your first month, you're gonna quit. You're gonna be like, wow, it was more fun being an employee. Why am I even doing this? So leave room in the budget to have fun, but just be mindful of it. Because when I was working a corporate day job, I was spending money like I was going out of style and I didn't even realize it. I've always thought I was such a frugal person, but it's like when you have that guaranteed, you know, whatever, that guaranteed four-figure paycheck or whatever it is, it's like, oh, like I'm I'm going to get this on this date, so go go crazy, you know? Go go nuts, who cares? And when it's a little bit more unsure, even though I had savings, I had the money to buy pizza if I wanted to, but I knew that it wasn't promised like that to be replenished. So I just became a lot more mindful of it. So that's what I did there. Honestly, I also planned to skip my vacation that year. And again, this is not to be miserable. Like I don't, I didn't want to make myself miserable or anything, but Twofold. One, it was expenses. You know, I didn't want to throw away a couple thousand dollars because realistically, that's how much it costs to go on vacation most anywhere with your flight, your hotel, your food, your entertainment. It's like at least going to be a couple thousand bucks. But also because I wasn't sure where my business was going to be at that point. And I just didn't want to plan to have to step away from the business for a week or more, potentially somewhere where I didn't have internet or phone access. I I just kind of prepared myself in advance to, no, I had just went on a work trip like a month before I left my day job. So I kind of got a little travel bug out of my system. I just wanted to prepare myself for like, let's just skip the vacation this year just so it doesn't make things even more stressful and I have to delegate work or outsource work or, you know, be working on my vacation. So I just mentally prepared myself for that so that it wasn't a disappointment and it wasn't, it was fine um, because I had already, you know, kind of planned for it. So that is what I focused on for my first month really of being a full-time freelancer, I would like to thank Charmaine for reviewing my How to Be a Social Media Manager course. If you are in this position where you are thinking about becoming a full-time freelancer, specifically freelance social media manager definitely recommend you grab this course having some type of mentorship some type of guide along the way really can help take some of the stress off and charmaine said it was an excellent course latasha provides all the information needed within a nicely presented course at a nice pace with valuable content and downloads I'd recommend this course to anyone who wants to become a social media manager. Latasha already gives great value in her YouTube videos, but provides tons more of great guidance and information within the course. I've searched everywhere over the last few years to learn about becoming a social media manager, and I have no regrets with, with purchasing this course. Well done, Latasha, and thank you so much. So, Yeah, I'll leave that linked in the show notes and in the description box below if you want to check that out. I might have a sneaky little discount code for Freelance Friday Podcast listeners as well. And I think that's it. That's it for the episode today. I hope this was helpful. Good luck if you are one of those people who is planning to go freelance full-time. And definitely leave me a comment on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Review the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you're listening. And I will see you in the next one. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. You can also learn about my ultra exclusive membership community, the Freelance Friday Club. Oh, and if you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or throw me a testimonial over at latashajames.com contact. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.